This week on Three Questions by Corey Kareem. Discipline and determination. And I know that sounds boring. Mm. <laughs> but it's boring that makes you a millionaire. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Three Questions by Corey Kareem, the podcast where we sit down with some amazing people who are doing some amazing things. And that's right. You guessed it. We asked them three questions, sometimes four, sometimes five. Today, it'll be more like six or seven. I know, I know, I know. But rather than talk about their wins and successes, we talk about their failures, more specifically the lessons that they learn from those individual experiences. So with that being said, my guest today is a media broker and digital marketing authority figure responsible for leading hundreds of social media deals between Black female influencers and major brands. Her company, Black Girl Digital, specializes in messaging and content for the Black female audience, working with brands like VH1, BET, MTV, and Sephora, to name a few. She's a businesswoman, a digital marketing expert, a speaker, a business and social media coach, and a true corporate mom renewer. Without further ado, Latoya Chambeau, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Every time I hear someone get into <laughs> me, I get so excited. Like, that's so nice. <laughs> you know what's so funny about that? Every time I have a guest on my podcast, one or two things come up when they hear, you know, their resume being rhymed off. They're like either A, oh, is he talking about me? That's right. me. Or B, they're like, yeah, that's right. I did all that. Or sometimes it's a combination of the two. So it does sound a little bit weird, but you've definitely accomplished a lot. And, and with that being said, I know, Latoya, I just kind of gave you, you know, uh, kind of a lightweight intro. So for my audience, for my listeners that are not familiar with you, that are being introduced to you to the for the first time, excuse me. Why don't you tell them a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and even a little bit about your inspo, like how you how you got into this particular field? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm Latoya Shambon, the founder and CEO of Black Girl Digital. And at Black Girl Digital, we broker brand partnerships between Fortune 500 companies and Black and diverse creators at scale. So that means we're working on campaigns from start to finish with 5, 10, 15, 20, sometimes 30 creators at a time. And we specifically, though, specialize in working with Black female influencers, although we've grown and um, expanded into other audiences and genders and things of that nature. Um, I've been in this business. I've owned my business seven years now, but I've been Congratulations. in the industry. Thank you. Um, for 17 years. So I've definitely been around the block, seen a couple of things. And Black Girl Digital was created from a space of opportunity in where I was like, well, I have the insight and the knowledge to uh, support my community through my passion, right? I love advertising. I love marketing. I I get it holistically. And now I'm able to help and support Black women 
get money and mm. get paid to do the things that they love to do and get them paid fairly and equitably. It was just, it was a win-win. And honestly, it's like easy to say now because of where I'm at, but over time, it kind of evolved over time mm. when, um, when, because when I first launched that concept was about supporting black female bloggers, because that, right. that was the channel, mm-hmm. right? Um, I had, um, I was working at complex for seven years and I loved what they were doing. You know, it was a great time to be in that space. And I was just like, well, who's doing this with black women, you know, mm. and birth black girl digital where I was um, working with bloggers on helping them monetize. Right. Um, so the first one that I worked on was with Exo Nicole. So I did Nicole Bitchy. I transitioned her from Nicole Bitchy to Exo Nicole. Oh, wow. And did that whole rebrand, set up her whole back end, her ad ops, uh, packaging, and all the things that was able to help her monetize. And, you know, what today is what she sold her business, right. you know. Um, and I wanted to build a, a tiny little, not tiny, but a big ad network. I wanted to have the biggest uh, right. Black female ad network. And within that first year, literally, it was like I went to sleep December 31st, woke up January mm-hmm. 1st, and it was all about influencers the next year. Right. <laughs> and it was just an easy, it was an easy pivot. You know, mm-hmm. I was still. I literally was just was still pivoting into my purpose. It was just from a different place of impact. And um, I recognized that although the channel change, the mission was still the same. I was still helping and supporting black women monetize and get paid to do the things that they love to do. Wow. I love that. That's, that's a great inspo. And that's a, that's a great why and purpose, but kind of, kind of continuing on that note, um, Black Girl Digital, your company, what did it take to turn your personal passion into a professional purpose? And yes, I'm using a direct quote uh, from your site. So what I really want you to share with my listeners and audience here, Latoya, is talk to us about the process, the days, the hours you put in to make this all work. In other words, what does it take to launch your own agency? discipline and determination. And I know that sounds boring, Mm. (laughs) but it's boring. That makes you a millionaire. Mm. Say that again. I think Kawhi Leonard, (laughs) he had a shirt that said board man gets paid. So seriously, there you go. It's literally about doing the things that no one wants to do over and over and over and it's dry. It's not fun. Right. But those are the things that count the most. Not being in the streets and doing all the f- the flashy stuff. Right. Because that part costs too much money. Mm, <laughs> and when, like when, when you out in the streets spending money, you're not making it. Right. right. And you, I'm not saying it's not impossible. I'm just saying I was very conscious of how I was spending money in the beginning of my business because... I needed capital and I recognized very early that cash flow was king. Mm-hmm. Cash flow. I love the fact that you said that. I love the fact because you know what? <laughs> uh, we we had it half right before a few years ago. People were saying cash is king, which is like half true, but it's cash flow, cash flow. is king. There you go. Love it. 
Um, and 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 that's the thing, you know, I'll say in short, launching a business is relatively quick, right? You got mm. an idea, you go and get your URL, whatever structure you want, boom, done. That's done. Yeah. However, building an organization takes time and effort. Mm. There's no, you can't skip through right. to success. And you can get a lick, you can hit a lick and mm-hmm. make a bag. Mm-hmm. But if you don't take the time and put in the effort and have discipline and determination, you're going to blow that bag. Right. Because you're not taking, you're not looking at what it means to build a leader be in, within self, what it right. means to build leadership within your company. Like you're not thinking about those things you're just running towards every single bag right right? um and then there's there's branding but there's rebranding again Mm -hmm. like you start one way but that doesn't mean you're always going to be that way and i've seen so many businesses fail because they they didn't take the time out to assess well how do how do we look today but how do we need to look tomorrow right always always like Q4, not saying that I change our font and colors and, and mm-hmm. all the, every single year, but I assess, is this working? Did, did people walk away this year feeling like they understood who we were, who mm-hmm. we are, who we're trying to be, you know, the feeling and emotions that we're trying to give them? And if not, well, why? First, what do they see? Mm-hmm. And what did that mean to them? And I always ask. So when people find us, how did you know? How did you find us? Mm. Oh yeah, you know what? What? What does that mean to you? Like right. I, I always ask these questions during our discovery because it's market research for me. Right, hundred percent. And then there's defining and redefining your product and your pricing strategy because right. today's pricing, you know, mm-hmm. okay, yesterday's mm-hmm. pricing, okay, <laughs> hey. you like. As you start to add value into your business and reassess where you're trying to go and how you're trying to grow your business, sometimes that price structure does not fit. It no longer works. Like I can't grow my, I couldn't grow my business supporting small businesses. Mm. Unfortunately, that just didn't work. And well, I love helping small businesses and I'm creating things now to to support them because I have the means to. Right. I, it just it was challenging, you know, at, in my second and third year. So I had right. to reassess like, all right, am I doing too much and not getting enough? Right. Mm. What does my profit margin look like across all channels that uh, we're operating under right. and what needs to be cut? Right. It's. It's a constant evolution of growth within business. And it's not, a, again, it's not about just, oh, here's my little cute brand. Nah, this is a real, a real business. You know, I would say um, what I what I'd like people to really focus on when thinking about what it takes to, to build a business is what it takes to actually run a business and then like scale. That. The I like agency. that. See, because if you're not thinking, if you're not constantly thinking about, all right, well, what does the day to day look like, and then what do I need to do to get to the next level? You're always going to stay where you are. Mm, I love that. So many gems you dropped there. A few that 
kind of stood out to me going back to the first thing you said, when you're talking about, you know, the ability to, I'm paraphrasing here, the ability to do like the boring, the thing that no one wants to do. It made me think of something I heard. I can't remember where I heard it from, but they were talking about the difference between like an average athlete and a great athlete. And he's like, yeah, genetics play, you know, a role for sure. You, you have that. But he, the guy said, and he was like one of those sports science people. He said, really, it comes down to the ability to do the mundane over and over and oh, over man. and over and over again. He's like the, the the athletes that really excel, like you're talking the top 10% of their athletic field are the ones that just have this ability to do that same workout you know, whether it's two times a day, three times a day, over and over and over again. So I love the fact that you pointed that out. And then I like the fact that you made the distinction between there's a difference between starting a business and building an organization. And -hmm. I think a lot of people, like to your point, so easy to start a business, right? You can register it, boom, can do that essentially in an hour or less than an hour, really. But building an organization, to your point, takes time, especially if you're scaling up with employees, you're coming mm-hmm. out with different products and features. All of that takes time, right? So I I'll, love the fact I'll that you called that out. I'll add in like there's a lot of people, you know, running to brunches and yeah. running to parties and like that's a distraction. Mm. All, of, all of those things are such a distraction from your purpose and building right. what your business need to look like. And I'm not saying you can't have fun mm-hmm. during the time. I'm saying that you have to prioritize what's important. And that is what I had to learn. I um one book that changed my life was um Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey. When I Steve like yeah. he is the goat. Mm-hmm. Like you read a lot of books, they pulled from that book. I don't care yeah. what anybody yeah. say, they pull from that book because in life, like everybody, nothing, everything can't be important. Everything right. can't be urgent. And you, you have to really use your discernment on how you're prioritizing growing your business. And that for me, I had to wake up and learn. I, mm. you know, I had to discipline myself to be like, all right, now nah, business hours is between nine to six, you know what I mean? Right. Not 12 to two, like <laughs> not working at two o'clock in the morning and no, this is, no, I'm working during these hours. I'm not going to lie though. I take a nap. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you have to exercise discipline. I think as entrepreneurs for the younger generation, Yeah, these kids coming out of college, coming out of high school, Thomas and I want to be an entrepreneur where, where I disagree and feel like they should go and work for a company, a big organization is mm-hmm. because you lack discipline in mm. what it takes to be in a, a, be a business owner. Right. You, know, you have to have these kind of strict rules in a sense for yourself so that you can get the job done. I don't care what people, I don't care what you say. You have to have a certain level of discipline because right. when you start to hire people, Right. They pay attention to all of that. Mm-hmm. And then, then you have to set the tone for your culture. Right. You know, I definitely set the tone. Like, look, I don't care where you work. Mm-hmm. What I care about is you get the work done. Right. I lead by example. I was like, y'all may see me on a beach, 
but I'm getting the work done. And I, I always answer my calls. I always answer my emails, but I've been in it for long enough so I can manage my time wisely, but mm-hmm. it's, it's it, it doesn't start that way, you right. know? Right. Now, and on that note, kind of as a quick follow-up, do you feel that entrepreneurship, because you talked about, you know, young kids coming out of high school, coming out of college, do you feel like being an entrepreneur right now is kind of over-glorified a bit? Absolutely. Because I think, because for me, I, there's definitely value in being an entrepreneurship, but I feel like in the effort to inspire people to live out their purpose, live out their dream through building a business, I think through the effort of simplifying it, we're oversimplifying it too much that I think that we're we're just sharing the good parts. You know, you know, your fa- you got generational wealth, you got lots of money, you know, all this other stuff. But I'm like, yeah, but there's so much more to it, man. Like, you know there's, what I mean? There's so much nuance and sacrifice. I think that people don't, when you come out of college, you have all this energy and mm-hmm. life, right? But you don't have the experience to of learning yourself and knowing who you truly are, right? right? And knowing who you truly are helps helps you discern or uh, understand where it is you fall in the ecosystem. Like, am mm-hmm. I a CEO? Am I an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. You can be one or the, it doesn't matter. Right. There's no shade to the entrepreneur because honestly, I need entrepreneurs. I need Absolutely. the CEO. I need the CMO. I need the people who believe in what right. it is that I'm doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And as, as do other companies, I hate the term don't work for the man or don't work for corporate America. Actually, I'm building a business where people want, as in corporate America, the fuck right. you what do you mean? Stop I know, right? Pushing, stop pushing this 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 mentality and this mindset that everyone needs to be an entrepreneur. Actually, you should go and work and learn under someone that you believe in, right. someone whose vision, a company's whose vision that you can stand behind. Mm-hmm. Where you go, I work here and I do this and I love it here. Yeah. That's what you should be looking for. And then when it's time, when you're when you feel comfortable, when you have the means, right? Mm. You go and you you slowly start to build up what your thing is gonna look like. You don't have to, unless you are in a tight circumstance or a situation right. that is forcing you. Mm-hmm. to be this entrepreneur you don't have to do it and you could be a solopreneur sure you mm-hmm. know as these creators are becoming influencers you're a solopreneur mm-hmm. that is okay i encourage college kids to take advantage of those opportunities you mm-hmm. know it's great it's great money but that doesn't mean you don't go and get experience in in the work in working society right no you, you man so many nuggets were just dropped there and what i loved about what you just said is that you know, when you hear certain people saying, oh, you have to be an entrepreneur, you have to be an entrepreneur. I think the spirit of what they're saying, they, their intentions are well. But if you're bashing people, let's just use that word about working for a big company or working for the man, as you put it, then what are you really trying to say to un- other entrepreneurs that are trying to scale their business? Because right. if you're trying to scale, you're going to need employees. But if you're telling everybody to do their own thing and not work for anybody, and we have that no doesn't work. really work out. <laughs> so like, no workforce. <laughs> exactly. Like you need people to make things, you know, work. And I, I totally agree with you with the fact that I feel like 
a lot of college kids, high school should, even if they have an idea, do the solopreneur thing, but also work for another company because there's a couple of different things. And I can speak from experience that happens. One, you get to your, your learning increases 10x. You're learning from people that have different skill sets from you that are at a higher level than you. And, and just your process of learning is this 10x, right? Versus mm-hmm. you trying to figure everything out Same. by yourself, right? So that's why I feel like. And then the second thing would be you expand your network at the same time. I would, that part, like when I tell you yeah. that part is, is the key because when I first, when I graduated college and got my first job at, um, um, Havas media. Mm-hmm. Funny. That's one of my clients right now, by the way. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll, we'll park that. We'll talk. Gotcha. Um, but when I, when I first got there, the girl who trained me for mm-hmm. my job, um, I said to her, I said, you know, when I start my business, I'm going to hire you. Mm. <laughs> and this was in, I don't know, this was 2008. Mm-hmm. She was so smart, so organized. One of the mm-hmm. few black women that was in the space, but she might've, we might, with same age, she might've been graduated a year before me or something, right. but super smart. And she became my CLO. I don't wow. play. Like wow. I- full circle. Full circle. Um, and I, w- my specialty, my superpower is seeing greatness in people. Mm. And that part where if you are, if you are meant to be an entrepreneur, a CEO, it is critical that you have a network of people to pull from. Mm-hmm. It is critical to be in those spaces where you're seeing talented people so that you can build and say, you know what? I remember I worked with this person who was such a good organizer and I, I'm not that organized. Right. I need someone to, I need to pull someone in who is more organized than me. And, you know, let me go call the person I used to work with. Hmm. Like that is, ah, uh, yeah, that's, that's great. Go work. Get, right. Get the workforce. And I also feel like low key, that's like the true value of going to college as well. Like education is important, but I feel like in my personal opinion, the opportunity to expand your network 10x is like is the true value of going to um, post-secondary um, education. Um, so Latoya, let's pivot here for a second. Was there ever a moment you felt like giving up or quitting? And if so, what did you do to get through that difficult time? That's a good question. And I know it's going to sound like, yeah, right. But <laughs> it's it, it was never a moment of, oh, I'm just throwing in the towel. This is too right. hard. Right. It was. OK. Oh, I see what you're trying to do. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. You know what? Now, let me something I'm distracted. Let me, let me clear this up and, and get to it. Let me go work harder, you know, cause sometimes again, when I, I'll stress when it's boring, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm bored. And I, I didn't realize that when I'm bored, I would go and run to do something else. Mm-hmm. But in, in the quiet season, in, in quiet season, it's about building. It's about reassessing your process and taking that time to improve yourself Mm -hmm. and your business. Mm 
versus just trying to fill that time with something new. Right. And then when uh, adversity hits, you know, it maturity, man, you, I, I can't stress having this level of emotional intelligence when you are challenged by your people, by your team, mm-hmm. by, you know, um, your, your clients, when, when influencers, like when you're, when you're challenged, mm-hmm. it, you, it was important for me to take a step back and look at me. Mm. What did I do? What was not working in the process that I created? Because I created this company from scratch. There was no roadmap. There was no nothing. Influencer marketing was not a thing. Like I Mm. made it a thing. So I had to assess the process that was in my brain because sometimes in the beginning of time, there was nothing written down, right? right? So when I'm going to run away from a hard day because of there was no clarity on my end, right? I was like, nope, I need to sit down and tighten up. I need, to, why is this process not working? What, what, who, who do I need on my team? And as, um, as I was kind of growing in my business, what, I didn't recognize or what I eventually recognize is one, I, I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't, I didn't know what that looked like mm. um, as this strong-minded independent Caribbean woman that can do mm. all things works against you, works for you. Mm. Um, and I had to surrender. I was like, all right, I cannot do all of this. I don't know everything. I've brought my business to the best place like I could in this moment. Like I, mm-hmm. I just don't know what to do right now. And I you know God is special. Mm-hmm. He, is, he is special in when you listen, you hear, you when you listen, you feel. Mm-hmm. And it was not about necessarily saying, hey. I need help. No, that wasn't it. It was me saying, let me look at the people that I know, Mm. regardless if they're in the same industry as me. Let me look at what everyone does. Let me even go back to my career and the people that were in leadership roles that I'm still friendly with. Right. And I started to reach out to them and it wasn't the same. It wasn't me saying I need help. It was like, Hey, this is what I'm going through. Right. And it allowed them to say, well, shit, let me help you. Mm, I like here's that. what I know. Here's, here's what you should, here's what you can try. He, tr- like asking for help as a, as a, as a business person is mm-hmm. critical, but as a human and a, a, a person that can, that feels like you could do all things, right? not knowing how to ask for it was a struggle mm-hmm. and that's where I struggled the most in right. business. But as I learned again, to just start talking to people and sharing all the things that I'm going through, the help will come. Cause mm-hmm. I just, I did, I still don't know how to ask for help. I'm not, I'm, I could never say I'm going to call you on the phone and be like, Hey, I need help with one, two, three, four, five. No, it's here's the situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't have a real question sometimes. Sometimes I just need to talk it out. And I, that's part of learning mm-hmm. in business. And had I just given up because I had a hard time, I wouldn't have, 
I wouldn't have learned that part of me. Right. You know, and I wouldn't have learned that part of business. And it it was such a it was such an eye-opening moment. And and they happen all the time, you know, but that part of of not giving up was learning how I process and need to ask for help. Right. Right. And and one of the few things I just picked up on that was that first of all, you have a high degree of self-awareness. And I think that's a, a skill that I haven't come across a lot of people that have that skill. Maybe on the service level, they they can do it to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But I feel like great leaders have this high level of self-awareness. Um, the other thing that I really liked that you just said was you have this sense of humility to go out and ask for help, right? Knowing and something you had to learn how to do. And one other thing that I've come across other great leaders is when they don't have the answer saying they have the ability to be like, I don't know what the answer is. What are your thoughts? Right. And I find that like, that's not something that you come across a lot in the industry. You'll see a few leaders here and there that will do that, but it's, it's amazing to me. And I love working with people like that, that have maybe, you know, 20 years of experience on me may might make 10 X what I make or whatever the situation is. But they're like, Hey, Corey, I actually don't know the answer to this question. What are you, what are your thoughts? How do you think we should approach this? Mm-hmm. And that sense of that kind of mindset and approach, I think um, any obstacle becomes less challenging when you have that particular mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when you're building your team, you mm-hmm. know, and it's mindset, like, look, Y'all gonna run into problems. 100%. This is a new business. This is a new industry. Y'all are gonna run into problems, but don't come to me with the problem. Come to me with the solution right. or your attempt at the solution. Right. I can create all the answers. So, but before you come to me, go to your peers, go to your team, ask them what they think, how they would do it, make your assessment, come back and develop your two solutions, and then come to me and say, right. hey, look, this is the problem. This is the challenge. This is the issue. I spoke to so-and-so and this is their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Here's what I think that we can do. Which way do you think we should move? Right. See, now I'm building real thinkers. Right. I don't want a team of doers. I right. want y'all to be able to do and think. Right. I want you, I want you all to be critical thinkers because mm-hmm. that's going to help you in life. I don't I could care less about what's happening here today. I right. love that you are here for me as I do. But I care about the people that I'm putting back into the universe. Right. And it is so critical that y'all know how to how to think through these problems because there's gonna be plenty. Gonna be yeah. plenty. And you know, and, <laughs> and you know, it's funny to that point. I once read a, I think it was a post and it says something so it says something to the effect of um life isn't about about avoiding problems, it's about finding the problems you want to solve. Because avoiding problems, it's it's inevitable that you're going to run into problems. So it's about finding the problems that you want to solve. So I love that approach. And um, I agree with you a thousand percent on that. So let's talk uh, disparity, right? Arguably the thing that you're most known for, the thing that you champion the most, at least. So given your research and time in the industry, what kind of pay disparities on average are you seeing between Black influ- influencers and their white counterparts 
Um, well, you know what's crazy? Still to this day, it's still like two to three times mm. over, you know, that white people are getting paid more than black people and black females in this space. And honestly, I as I'm paying a lot of attention to how deals I'm asking people, oh, you know, how is that deal structured for you? And right. Um, even campaigns that we don't work on, I tell and I tell my friends, look, if y'all have, if y'all want to ask a question, if this makes sense, mm-hmm. I'm happy. Like tap in, I'm happy to help. I don't need, I don't, I don't manage people. I don't want to get in that business. We're right. not agents, like, but I'm happy to assess, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like the issue is that people, black people, black women, mm-hmm. just. They don't know how to articulate their value. Mm. There is a lot of, um, and it's funny, I'm doing a um, at my event tomorrow. I'm talking mm. about the pay me my worth mm. uh, culture or mindset. And I think that I don't pay, white people don't do, they don't, they're not pay me my worth in it. You know, mm. they, this is, this is what I bring to the table. This is who I am. This, this is what I got. Mm. And they do a better job or they have better management that can articulate the value that they bring to right. the project. And oftentimes black people don't have the same access, the same resources, the same insight, the same confidence. Right. Mm. Belief in themselves right. that they got what it takes. You know, it's funny, my my meeting with my team, I close out the meeting. I was like, look, y'all are here for a reason. You have to believe that you have what it takes to do the job. Mm. No matter what you believe, you have to believe. And while there's also on the flip side, there's just a lack, a lot of a whole lot of lack of integrity and respect right. in the space for black people and black creators. Um, it just there's work to be done on both on both ends. Right. As a broker in the middle, I see the work that needs to be done on both ends. So I'm in major conversations and big rooms with with brands and agencies like respect the people that you're trying to there's so much value in our cultural experiences and and community and things like that and don't approach it from the place of well i don't know approach it from a place of hey i want to know more right and like if you have to ask all the time is this fair it ain't Mm -hmm. Nugget. (laughs) nugget I love that. So you just <laughs> just you just shared a lot there. And you know, as a part of a follow-up, I'm going to ask, you know, what's the solution? How do we get there? So one of the things you mentioned was, you know, for black influencers learning how to articulate their value. That's one thing that, you know, mm-hmm. they can take amongst themselves. And then for the people cutting the deals, so to speak. You know, they can kind of lean in and get more curious about the culture, a little be a little bit more authentic, ask more questions. Outside of those two things, is there anything else that could be done? Or is this just a matter of, you know, things evolving over time? Yeah, that's a very good question. And it is it is about evolution and Mm. it is about defining the economy because that's the problem. Mm. It's just the wild, wild west and there's it's like there's a lot of information right but not a lot of accurate information mm. and it's um so as a part of like 
my part, my, my, my contribution, you know, to the culture, to the world, I'm actually launching Mm. the financial gem. Tell me more. Tell me more. (laughs) So the financial gem, and you'll have a, a, an appreciation for this because you're, you know, you, you broker deals, you're in sales, you work Mm -hmm. with this is really helping the creator just understand one. I put in here all of like a, a, a decent amount of industry terms mm-hmm. because they, you know, just don't know the lingo. Right. right, right. And then just like what planning one-on-one, what does it mean? Basic planning, understanding how to plan for sales. You're planning for sales. A lot of people in the space, you know, they think they're just content creators. I'm like, no, if you want to make money in this space, mm-hmm. you have to understand sales planning and the cycles, which within a sales plan, right? Like, um, and, and on the calendar, it's it, little pro tips on, you know, follow up with your clients, mm-hmm. reach out, you know, rem- friendly reminders about your invoices. It's right. send 25 emails this week. Mm-hmm. What brands are you trying to, you know, um, target this week? You know, what are your goals every month? What's your financial goals? Did you hit it? But it's right. also Here's how you package. Right. And here's how you position yourself. Again, success is about knowing things you need. You have to have the knowledge in order to succeed. Um, and the lack of resources, it, it prohibits that in a lot of the Black community. Not saying that this isn't for everyone, but specifically, like, I wanted to be in the hands of Black people and Black females. Like, right. once you have this, you'll have a little bit of confidence, a little bit more confident. Like, now I can I can exist in in this advertising industry because that's what you're, <laughs> that's what, that's what you're in. You're in a place where people want to advertise on your social spaces. That's the that's the industry that you're in. I, I love that. Um, what you were just saying. There's a couple of things. So the email thing. So I I pride I pride myself on being a little bit of an email guru. I actually, fun mm-hmm. fact, I actually took a copywriting course, not because I necessarily wanted to get into copywriting, although I am intrigued by that kind of uh, faction of the industry. Um, but I did it. My main reason for taking that class was to learn how to write better emails, specifically when I had to deliver bad news to clients, right? Because every word matters. That's how I believe. And I kind of like it, it's 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 one of the most it's one of, you know a lot of people hate sending emails but for me like love I love it you I'm know <laughs> yeah you know and I try to work on my craft as much as possible but I I love I've had people be like I love how you phrase that because yeah. for me you know especially when you get like the passive aggressive emails back and I so I do this thing right where. Man, a client says something like, oh, it's almost like borderline coming at me. And I, I initially write how I feel, but I don't hit send. Their name's not even in the, the send portion of the email. You just got to get it out. Mm-hmm. I just I need to get my feelings out, right? And then I'll do something else for like maybe 5, 10, maybe 15 minutes. I'll come back with a clearer conscious, clearer mind. And then I write because at the end of the day, the question that I always ask myself, right? You always talk about looking long-term, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking this through. The question I always ask myself is, is what I'm about to write going to get me closer to the goal that I want? Mm-hmm. And if not, I need to figure out what the right words and how to position or what values I can work with that can get me at least <clears throat> to the next step. 
if not to the goal in itself. So when you talk about communication, I love the fact that you're coming out with this guide, this book, because those are the little things that, you know, people don't see in terms of getting to whatever their goal is, right? They're not thinking about sending out maybe weekly insight emails about the progress of working with them as an influencer. I do that on my side. Every week, I'm sending something that I know is going to be valuable information to my clients. I do that for two reasons. One, I want them to always remember who I am. That's my mini commercial, if you will. And number two, I want them to always associate my name with value. 100%. Always. Always. Because even if they don't, I know for a fact, 90% of them don't respond immediately to that email. But I've seen it multiple times within the year. I remember this email you sent me, Corey, about four months ago. And I was like, oh, you actually read In my mind, I'm like, oh, you actually did read that, even though you didn't, they didn't respond. To it. So I love <laughs> they, that. They, they, they're responding or not. <laughs> That's so funny. You mentioned email. I actually have a whole, I have an email um, example in here. <laughs> I love, yo, it's it's important, man. It's, <laughs> because they don't know how to talk via email. They don't know how to respond all. But, you know, it's cool. I, I just, I want I want to see y'all, y'all thrive. You know, I'm just very professional. I approach yes. everything with professionalism and I want to help. <laughs> I want to help them do the same. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And those little things are very important. They might seem small, but that is very important. And you touched on the word follow-up, how to do follow-ups. I remember someone saying to me, the fortune is in the follow-up. A lot of people, like I've had a couple of friends that are doing fairly well, and one of them posted all their rejection letters because she wrote two books now, I think at this point, but she's like, you don't see how many rejection letters I got on my first one, right? And this is why I love having these conversations with people like yourself because you know they'll they'll read your bio and they're like, oh, boom, she worked with this brand, this brand, she built a successful company, multiple six figures and all this, but they, they don't see the the minutia the the nuance all of that in between i'll tell you a quick story it um <clears throat> i my friend was hosting a um uh a all girls retreat and mm. the retreat we were going to jamaica in august or this year no this year was a, it was in july um so i was like oh, okay whoop let me book, book my July. I was like, yeah. I'm going a day early because I want to relax. So I was, I was like, I booked yeah. for my, uh, Thursday. Was it Thursday? No, book for Friday. And <clears throat> I get an email. <laughs> I get this email and it's like, hey, um, we're doing a diversity day and we would love to have Black Girl Digital to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Friday, July, bop, bop, bop. When I'm flying, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, mm. okay, um, what am I going to do? Because I can't miss this meeting. I'm not going to miss this meeting. And I'm going to be in the air and I already paid for the flight. Mm. When I say the sacrifice, I literally was like, I booked, I had to rebook my flight to come in on Thursday. I had to fly out Thursday Mm -hmm. so that I could be stable and ready Mm -hmm. for my meeting on Friday in Jamaica, you know, and and the internet there can be wonky sometimes. Right, right. And I kid you not, it was so worth the sacrifice Mm -hmm. because a year later, Mm. 
I closed Disney. Wow. wow. And like, like I cannot tell you like the sacrifice mm-hmm. and the the hard work. It took me a year to close wow. that account. Wow. That's that's crazy. And I think like that touches on a few things. And I think sometimes, you know, we wait for these kind of big epic moments and we think, okay, this is what I have to prioritize because it's obvious that this is important. But sometimes it's also the smaller things, these little small little things that will pop up in your life where you're like, no, I need to see this little event here that's happening this weekend. I probably know who's going to be there. I I don't need to go to that. But then you go there, you connect with somebody that has a connection to this brand. Mm -hmm. And then a year later, six months later, what have you, but you wouldn't have gotten to that outcome had you not gone to, you know what I mean? And it's just like the butterfly effect. Everything is, yeah, everything is interconnected. So Mm -hmm. I love the fact that um, you shared that story. Um, so beyond, I know a lot of your work is, you know, advocating for uh, Black influencers. And you talk about, you know, there's obviously some some obstacles in advertising when it comes to Black influencers. So beyond being excluded from opportunities, how else does racism show up in advertising? I, I know we, we kind of spoke about this a little bit um, mm-hmm. prior to starting the meeting, but... Um, not having enough representation in uh, behind the scenes and, you know, in mm-hmm. the boardrooms can be mm-hmm. problematic, you know, but as we stated, it's about having the right people in those seats as well. One thousand know, like, percent. We, we, as black people, we, when we're getting our education and, and our experience, we should always just want to be our, want to be the best and show up. Mm-hmm. And, as our best in whatever space that we're in. But when you get to a posi- a leadership position within the advertising space and you're managing, you have power, you have access to dollars, you mm-hmm. know, it's not about only giving it to your friends and, you know, gatekeeping. It's about really assessing the business and, and showing up for the culture and, providing those those cultural insights to the back room mm. so that those white people understand who we are, why we are, and why they need to include us in on these ad campaigns and on these marketing um campaigns and strategies. Like it's right. it's critical that they approach it from a place of now nah, let me speak up for the culture right. as well as how we're how are we getting the dollars into the community. Right. Because y'all are making a lot of money from this. <laughs> right. you, know, you know what? As a thought, and I, I'm sure you probably thought of this already, as much as you provide the education to the industry, I think what would also be valuable if you if you had a course to coach those leaders. Because I, you know, oh, that's launching, coming. We're, yeah, we're launching the Black Girl Digital Academy. <laughs> yeah, because. To your point, you, you hit it right on the money, right? And and, and to your, again, we talked about it's not, we don't need everybody. You just need the right people at the seats. And 
that made me think about, you know, me and my friends were, were watching, you know, Harlem, the show Harlem. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar. And the show Run the World. Very mm-hmm. similar. similar. We, have, we have differences about the show. Like me personally, just my personal opinion, could be a hot take. I like Run the World better than Harlem. I like Run the World in Harlem. There's yeah. very specific reason why I like Run the World versus Harlem. Because to me, and again, people could come at me for this, but I'm just going to share my honest opinion. I feel like there's a lot of kind of stereotypical tropes Over that Harlem that is like, oh, like, dude. And, is that necessary? And here's the thing, Latoya. I looked up who the writer is. I looked up who the show, like, it's our people. And so it's like, to your point, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to bash um, the uh, showrunner or the creator, but like, to me, it's not just about having us at the table. It's like the, the diversity in the, the narratives that we're showcasing. Like, I'm also, I'm a big fan of 50 Cent, but like, come on, like how many drug dealer movies do we need to have in this space, I think. Okay, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna have to go back and forth on this one, right? Because <laughs> I'm I'm with I was I was with you on Run the World. I was with you, but okay, here's where 50 Cent is special. In and I love 50. 50. I love 50, by the way. I'm not hating, I love him. I do. If I had a dinner, he's he made it, he made us he got a seat at the table, mm-hmm. right? Okay, but here's here's why what he is doing is critical for the community, and mm-hmm. it's not it's not. He doesn't need to change his format. Mm -hmm. There is a space for that. There is a space for telling stories from real things that happen in people's like life. Like BMF was a. I was like I wasn't in it. No, yeah, I'm not. I I was not there. (laughs) (laughs) Just want to clear that up. Mm -hmm. But I knew a lot of people who were there, and. This for them to see this story come to life, right. you know, it's like it it show it gives them a, it makes them feel like their story matter, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's important for these stories to exist, and I think that Fifty does a good job at getting it out and, and articulating it in a way where it's meant for television, right? You know, and I. I don't want him to change his format. I think that other creators, other people, other producers and directors should come up in the space and create other things and for it, that. And that's where I was getting to. And that's what I was really trying to say is like, um, I think as a collective, if I can use that word to describe our community, mm-hmm. there needs to be more, there needs to be diverse stories. And by that, I mean um, different types of stories being told on the big screen or on whatever digital platform. And that's really what I'm trying to get to. Like mm-hmm. I said, like I've been watching, you know, Power. I watched maybe not the first one, but like Power Book. I've watched all of them. BMF. I'm really into that series. So I'm a lot, I'm I'm a big fan of what 50 is doing. Mm-hmm. What I'd like to see is to the latter of your point is more more diversity in the stories. Cause yeah. one of the big reasons why I loved Issa Rae's Insecure. And I got onto that super late. Like, I don't think I started watching that till 2021. Mm-hmm. And I think she started maybe 2020 or 2019, maybe even earlier than that, was it was such a different story, right? The whole awkward black girl and all that. It was, it was so different than what we're used to, used to seeing. Cause usually, 
you know, when it comes to content from an entertainment standpoint, it's either comedy or kind of like what I call trauma, right? rom-com or trauma porn right you know like Mm -hmm. you know it's usually one of those three so it was it was great to see uh Issa Rae's kind of success in that and that's really what I want to see is more diversity in just stories but really to your point that's on us it is it definitely is um so Latoya um you shared a lot of good gems here and so one thing I would like to ask you is since you work with a lot of influencers um and it's obviously a very top of mind kind of craft in um, today's world and social media. What are some common mistakes you see, you know, black influencers or just influencers in general? What, what are some of the common mistakes? And I think you spoke about one of them earlier is like not being able to articulate their their true value. But beyond that, what are some of the common mistakes you see and what are some hacks that you can give them to kind of improve uh, the brand? Um, well, one big thing is thinking that somebody owes you something. Mm. <laughs> no one owes you anything. These brands don't owe you nothing. Mm. Yes, a brand should operate from integrity and respect and things right. like that, but they don't have to work with you. They don't have to give you an opportunity. They could go and run a display ad, they can run a television ad. Right. They can advertise anywhere else. They don't have to work with you, you know? And I think that sometimes they just get caught up in the well, I have 300,000 followers, right? And what? What does that even mean? Mm. <laughs> you have 300,000 followers and what? Right. What what else? You how know? many of there are how many of those are real? Right. <laughs> I, I, so it just it baffles me that mindset, you know, around um, what is owed to them. Right. Um, I think another misconception is that is discovery. Mm. Just because you have three hundred thousand followers doesn't mean that everyone knows you. Right. It doesn't mean that you're visible. Mm-hmm. You know. It doesn't mean that. A brand deal should be falling in your lap. Right. You still have to pound the pavement if you want more money. If you want more opportunities, you have to go and get them. Right. You have to go and get them. You can't just sit and watch your emails and twiddle your thumbs and just think I'm just going to sit here and make content every day and I'm all, I'm going to get a deal. I'm going to get an opportunity. Someone's going to email mm. me. That's not how. That's not how business works. Mm. I love it. And and that is why I made the planner because that's not why biz that's not how business works. Right. <laughs> right. You, you gotta go out and get and got you you gotta go and, and get the fucking fish that you wanna eat. <laughs> I love it. Got they gotta stay hungry. They gotta keep doing the things that got them to the 300 followers. They keep gotta keep doing the work. Um, so it's my last question here, Latoya. Um what's the best lesson you believe you've learned? from failing or persisting through difficult times thus far? Um, failing should be fun. Mm. I don't <laughs> think I've ever heard anyone say that like that before. So that's, that's new and I like it. And, and filled with growth, you know, it's like as, as 
in this, we're in such a beautiful, beautiful time of, of life, right? Like it's a tough time. It's, it's a tough time to be black, but it's also a dope time to be black. Like it's mm. so dope to be black today because mm. everyone wants to be us. Everyone mm. wants to be us. Right. And if you are a black human and you are launching a business or you have a business or you're you know, trying to become a successful influencer, like the journey is the best part. Mm. It's the best part. It's like being able to wake up every day. I'm like, yo, I'm not doing this shit. Like I'm Mm. doing it, whether it works or not, like I'm doing it, you know, but failing at something, you know, it didn't work. All right, cool. But you know what? I had had a really good time. I got maybe two trips out of it. You know, I had a good time. And move on. <laughs> like, right. I don't sit in sadness. I don't sit in anger. I don't. I don't sit in anxiety. I'm not saying I don't have it. What I'm saying is I don't sit in it. Mm. I recognize what I'm feeling in the right. moment, and I figure out how to get far away from it. Like what? Right. What brings me great joy? What's going to shift my mood and energy back to where I need it to be, so that I can be at my top, so that I can perform. Right. right? Failing is a part of the journey. It should be fun. It's not going to make you happy. It's not going to be easy, but it still relatively should be like, I tried it in the beginning of my my entrepreneurial journey. My friends, you're doing something else. You're starting another business. I'm like, yeah, but you still ain't starting nothing. (laughs) Man, look at where we are now. Yeah. See and see and what I'm hearing again is that ability to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny you talked about you know it's not that I don't feel anxiety; it's just I don't sit in it too long. And I just think about the difference between people who actually go out and do something versus some people just really noodle on an idea mm-hmm. their entire life. Right? It's not that you don't feel fair; you're doing it in despite of fear. Right? The definition of courage. And I actually came across something about emotions and it's saying, Hey, when you feel like jealousy or envy, yes, not great emotions, but at the end of the day, all your emotions are trying to do is it's just trying to tell you something. There are pieces of information. It's your brain's best guess on what's going on. And it's for you to kind of decipher what you should do. So they're not all bad. You're just, your mind's just trying to tell you something, right? And you just kind of dissect all that information so my um my little tactic around Mm. that um and and this is what i I forgot i meant i wanted to say this when you were talking about you know how you address emails Mm -hmm. so i always ask myself what am i feeling right now because i can immediately feel when my energy shifts Right. right what am i feeling right now am i mad am i angry am i anxious and once I, I've identified how I'm feeling, I then move into why I'm feeling like this. Mm-hmm. What triggered this? Right. And <clears throat> I do it immediately because if I let it linger, I'm going to forget what triggered it. Right. right. And I'm right. searching for too long and I'm now I'm distracted. Right. So immediately I'm like, well, what triggered this emotion? Why? Why am I feeling like this? And then I go into, well, what do I need to do to change, mm-hmm. address, attack, right? And not attack in a negative way, just how do I 
what does it need my attention now? Right. And what I need to do to to uh, shift. And then I'm like, well, what are the facts? Mm. I already know how I feel. Right, right. I already know how I feel, right? I already know why I feel this way. Right. What are the facts? The fact is, these are the three things that happen. This is what should have happened. But now I need to move forward. So what do I need to do to move forward? And based on the facts, not based on how I feel, because Mm. if I'm angry, preach. If I'm angry, I'm going to act in anger. Right. Bop, 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 right? Yeah. I don't want to bop, 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 bop. No. Yeah. I'm the the end goal, my the end result is I need this to get done. Mm. Right? So how do I get this? How do I get to the point where I, this needs, this is going to get done? Right. Based on the facts, not how I feel. And, and, and I, I even apply that in relationship and, and sometimes it's, it can be very annoying, but when it's fact driven, mm-hmm. it really gets to the solution so much faster. And then now I can remove myself out of that emotion and I can just get back to my, yeah, my right. for self, but it's having the process of getting to the other side. Right. I think a lot of people just don't know how to do that. And they want to sit in anger when people, when my, one of my friends, she'll call me, oh my gosh, this is, what's the problem? Let's talk about how you feel about it. Why do you feel that way? What can you do right now to change your attitude, change your mood, right. and then solve the problem? Wow. So you shouldn't you shouldn't try to solve problems when you're in a, a negative energy space. Yeah. It, it was funny about that is there is actually I read somewhere that said there's a huge difference in your response if you just wait five minutes, mm-hmm. five minutes from your initial re, uh, knee jerk reaction and then make the action. The difference in your response is almost day and night, Absolutely. almost day, day and night. It's it's incredible how the mind and 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 the body uh, works, and it's also interesting. You brought up something that I heard just the other day about when you're talking about decisions and your emotions, and I think the person was saying something to the effect of learn to make decisions based on your values versus just 100%. your emotions. Right, and it, it yeah, simple to understand, but obviously hard to do in the moment. But it's like. Once you have that framework, if you could just take a time out. Yeah. So most people don't have core values. That's it's listed mm. in my business. It's when I hire people, these are right. our core values. Respect is number one. Right. Like you, we operate from a place of respect. Integrity is number two. We operate from a place of integrity, but that's also in my personal life. Yeah. And I don't stray away from that. I will cancel clients. Mm. I don't influencers. Once you've once you've crossed the line of disrespect, right. that's it for me. I because I I do not alter my character to meet you in the disrespectful lane. I'm I don't I don't go over there because like, mm. my, my values they don't allow me to go over there. Right. So I, I'm always on the line of respect, and if that means that I have to cut the relationship, I'll cut the relationship. Thank you and goodbye. Mm. I don't. I'm not going to argue with you. After you're being disrespectful and I protect my team. If if my team is saying that a client was being very rude, disrespectful, constantly over and over, I'll handle it from here. Don't even respond. I got it. 
Mm. I'm going to protect y'all because this is, this is me protecting our core values. Right. I'm, I love I'm it. 100% in alignment there. I love it. So Latoya, this has been a beautiful conversation. I definitely felt like we, we gave birth to some fruitfulness here uh, <laughs> this morning. Um, so for all my listeners, um, from my audience, if they want to work with you, if they want to connect with you, if they want to hire you, how can they reach you? How can they find you? Yes. Um, so social media platforms, uh, Black Girl Digital, um, spelled out as is on Instagram. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn at Latoya Shambo. Um, and um, you can follow me on my personal Instagram. I don't post often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm working on it. Um, but feel free to shoot me an email over at info at blackgirldigital.com. And it comes directly to me. And I'm happy to set up a discovery call to learn more about your brand and you know what you're trying to do and see if there's any synergies from there. Hey, I got I got a few agency folks that 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 tune in. So um I know how much you love agencies. <laughs> I, love I love the agency world. I really, really do. Yes. That's awesome. Well, guys, uh, that concludes this episode of Three Questions by Corey Kareem. And as many of you guys know, I usually like to end my episodes by saying this. If you really just want to impress people, talk about your wins, your successes, your accolades, yada, yada, yada. But if you really want to have an impact on someone else's life, talk about your downfalls, your tribulations, your mishaps. Those stories are the things that really move the needle in someone else's life. So with that being said, LaToya and I are out. Peace and love until the next time.